I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to KSL. So happy to have you with us today on Live Mike. My name is Jason Perry. I'm the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. I'm so happy to have co-host with me today. I'm Morgan Lyoncotti, and I work with Jason at the Hinckley Institute. Yes, work in quotation marks. <laughs> so happy to have you here, Morgan. I work really hard, Jason. <laughs> I know you do. That's only everybody's point. Today's going to be a big, interesting day. We have an amazing lineup. We're talking higher ed. We're talking uh, the national conventions that are coming up. Morgan, we've got... S- Going to talk polling, going to talk masks. And oh also, why are you teasing me about working hard when you're the taskmaster? Oh, yes. Okay. Right. Well, let's, let's turn to that very person now. Because our first guest today is someone everyone in the state should know. An amazingly important position, but uh, he's new in, the, new in this position. We're going to introduce him here and talk. This is Commissioner David Wilsonhoom. Commissioner, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here with you. And um, good to be with you and Morgan. And appreciate all you guys do. Well, we, we appreciate so much to have the chance to work with you, too. But you, you are just brand newly official. You've been at, in an acting capacity here as the commissioner, but now it's official as of the last two weeks, right? Yeah, just, just on the job two weeks, and here we are in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yes. I do. Can we talk about that for just a moment? Because our legislature has been doing a lot uh, as, it, as it impacts higher ed, and you're just such a critical part of that. Do, do you mind taking just a minute and, and describing the change in, in sort of the operations? Because there, was, there were two systems there. We had our technology colleges. We had our institutions, other institutions of higher education. What has the legislature done right there, and what is the vision for it? Yeah, as, as you know, Jason, over the last couple of years, there's actually been a study that's been taking place with, uh, with a group of individuals that legislators put together to really look at what is the best way we can maximize um, and, and benefit our students in education in the state of Utah. And we did have two systems. We had a system of technical colleges where we have eight technical colleges, and then we had the system of what we call the system of higher ed where we had um, eight universities and colleges that make those up. And what come out of the study is we'd be better aligned to make sure that we are taking care of our students and industry if we were able to bring those two systems together. And so that's what we're um, doing now as of July 1st. There is one system, the system of higher education, and one board, the State Board of, of Higher Education, that oversees those systems. And I really do believe it's going to give us an opportunity to align our educational opportunities, regardless whether it's certificates or a Ph.D., um, we'll be able to take care of those students' needs and, and just as importantly, make sure we're providing a, a qualified workforce for our, for our industry partners. It makes so much sense, you know, when we're talking about what students are doing after high school. We just want them to be doing what can prepare them for the workforce, make sure they're providing for themselves and their families. So there's so many positives we can see. What are the challenges that you're really preparing for and that you're expecting that you'll have to face? 
some of the some of the challenges um, we've actually overcome overcome a lot of those challenges already, and it's just the the idea of bringing two boards together. And I, I feel like that the tech colleges and I was the commissioner of technical education for a while, and I would have had this same thought process being in in that role if I was would have been there during the the merger was the fact that we don't want them to be swallowed up in the in the bigger whole. Right, and so we, we've overcome that by putting some some safeguards in place, both in statute as well as in my office, to make sure that technical education does not get overlooked, to make sure that everybody's being represented at the table. Because every student, um, we want students to go into programs where their passion is, and and really it is what they want to do. Some people would go crazy um, working behind a desk all day, and other people that's really what they like. And so there's there's an opportunity for everybody. And so I think we're overcoming a lot of those obstacles, but I think that was probably the biggest one, Morgan, is the fact that um, many thought that, or, or several, I should say, probably thought that the, the tech colleges might get swallowed up in the, in the bigger hole of our big universities, which which we got safeguards in place, and that will absolutely not be the case. Well, let's talk about how those two are going to work together, because uh, you just released a, a very interesting report uh, talking about the the number of Utah's high school grads, the people that are going to colleges. But uh, maybe talk about that for a second. But I'm also curious about this trend, particularly during this pandemic, where it, is, it seems that a lot of these students are, are more likely to attend a college or a university that is very close to home for them. Is that a new thing? How are you approaching that? So, yeah, that's definitely a, a trend we're going to see, right? And I think it was a trend even before the pandemic is that students are going to have a, a higher likelihood to stick within the community where they're at. Um, and we just want to make sure there's opportunity for, for every student in those regions. And we're very blessed in the state of Utah. As you think about it, almost every region of our state has a technical college or an institution that provides that technical education as well as a university. And so there's a lot of options for our students, and we're very fortunate that our institutions are very collaborative from one end of the state to the other. They really do work well together. In fact, I would dare say the state of Utah's education probably works better than a lot of other states throughout the country, and that we're just very collaborative, and the, and the presidents of all 16 institutions work well together to make sure those needs um, in the individual areas that the students are being met, and we don't get territorial of who's going to do what. There's there's plenty of to do. It's just a matter of identifying what institutions are the best to provide that particular type of program. Well, I feel like you've done a great job trying to make sure everyone works together, and I've noticed that's true. But does, does it change a little bit of, like, the funding model for the legislature or how you approach it if, you know, if people from Logan are, are more likely just to stay there at Utah State or people down south at those universities? Does that, you know, there's the cooperation aspect too, but how does that change it if more and more students are just staying there? Because that means some of these universities that maybe had a smaller number of people enrolled are now going to have a lot more. Well, that's what we're going to have to look at, right, as we move forward is the, the funding model. And um, the way that the institutions are being funded right now through the legislature is really through performance funding and growth funding model. And so to have those models in place to where, and again, we've been fortunate in the state of Utah, the legislature has done a really good job of, and in my mind, of prioritizing education and making sure those needs are, are where they're where they're um, supposed to be uh, and to make sure the institutions can deliver what they have. So we will definitely be looking at that, Jason, as we move forward to make sure that institutions, you're exactly right, some of our smaller um, institutions now may have a lot more students attending because students are wanting to stay closer to home. So we'll have to look at that as we move forward. And I know that's a high priority of the board is access. And what are we doing around scholarships? What are we doing to make sure that students can continue to afford to go to school, um, especially during a pandemic where their work schedules may have been cut back or they, um, family members may have lost jobs or 
not been able to to work as much as they had in the past. And so all those things are on the table to really look at, okay, what are we doing to make sure our students are benefited through this as well? Obviously, the legislature is one form of funding, but also other scholarships, and and there's been great donors throughout the state as well um, that's been able to to, um, help our students as we move forward. That's so interesting. Jason and I were actually talking. You know, sometimes when we interview students for, inter- for you know, staff or internship positions, sometimes when we do here at the U, meet a student from Ogden or Logan or Provo, we're like, hey, welcome. Come join our U of U fold. But that said, none of us are territorial, of course. Um, just with this last 30 seconds, you were talking about access, and we're also curious, even if these students are really close to home, they might be doing school from home. So what are you doing to increase online access, especially during the pandemic? You know, our, stu- our, our institutions did an amazing job. In fact, I, I honestly can't believe how well they pulled it off. Um, in the middle of March, obviously, when all of our institutions had to move to online, some of our institutions obviously had more online offerings than others, but every one of our institutions was able to navigate through that really with just a few days of getting our faculty um, prepared to move those courses to online. I can tell you there's been a lot of work that's been done over the past few months to make sure that one of our options as we start back into fall is to have a backup option. You know, people say, what's going to happen when you shut down? Well, we don't really shut down. Our campuses may be limited to the number of people that's going to be there, but we still deliver the education. And it becomes very important that our faculty is prepared to do that. If we do have to um, transition from more face-to-face to more online during fall semester, we are prepared. We're ready um, to do that. We hopefully we don't have to do that, but we're prepared and our faculty have done an amazing job of having courses that some may question in the past could even be taught online, like some of the science classes and so forth. But they, they've just done a wonderful job of, of thinking outside the box and identifying ways that a lot of those programs can be delivered online uh-huh. and, 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 and also keep the high quality, which is well- critical. Commissioner, I have to tell you, we're so lucky to have you in this position leading at this critical time for the state. You're just an amazing talent and glad you have in this spot. And we appreciate you being with us today. This is Commissioner David Wilson-Hume. Thank you. Stay with us when we come back. We're talking national conventions. Everyone wants to know what's going to happen.